This is the Level Flight Podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Level Flight Podcast. I'm Brian, and as always, I'm joined by Connor. Hello, we back. <laughs> and Elliot. Hey, hey. And we're here for the second episode of the show. Um, I don't know about you guys. I have been itching to record this all week. Oh, yeah. Same here. I, I couldn't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got a big show today. Um, it's been a stupid busy week. Uh, I mean, for both the Jets organization and uh, the entire league. Um, Jets, you know, played a few games. Uh, you know, Moose played a couple games where uh, we had a nice, you know, successful weekend in the organization. Um, the NHL had a really busy week. Uh, found out the other day that they were in Finland for a couple games between Colorado and Columbus. Who would have thought? Yeah. I just I saw a game on it too, and I'm like, oh, what's this? Oh, they're in Finland. Oh, cool, great marketing NHL. Leave it up to the NHL to always ace their marketing. Oh, just great. like all their pregame and postgame staff, just <laughs> acing it. Well, I mean, even in the preseason, I didn't know that teams were starting over in Europe. Like, it was just it just oh oh it's oh, we're those starting random in Switzerland. two games with the Predators and the Sharks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, and then they marketed it like the first Tuesday night. That was like opening night in the NHL. It was like, well, no, the season has already started. Yeah, it started it like five days ago. Yeah, it made no sense. But uh, all right, just a disaster. Well, enough about the, the NHL's marketing this early <laughs> on, because that's a whole other rant for another time. Yeah. Um, no, let's uh, let's talk about the Jets a little bit, because that's what we are. Um, oh yeah. But they're wrapping up a week where they went two and zero against the uh, Canadians and the Blackhawks. Uh, the Moose uh, wrapped up a week where they went one and one against the Texas Stars. Um, so let's uh, let's dive into those games a little bit. Um, so the Jets and Canadians uh, played a spirited affair. Uh, went pretty well in uh, you know the the Jets way. Um, in terms of what stood out to us, what did you see? Well, Kyle Connor finally. Like um, I was telling some people after the game, like was was there not a more emotionally rewarding goal this season? Like as soon as you see Shifley drop the puck and Kyle uh, Connor turn the corner. Like you, you're thinking like this has to be it. Like if that shot goes off the post and wide, and then Suzuki and Caulfield come down on a two on one and bury it, and then he doesn't score again against the Blackhawks. Like what's the conversation we're having right now, right? Yeah. Like finally, he finally scored. Um, I absolutely loved that. That was an awesome like OT winner. What a time for him to finally score. I like Gagne on the top line. They experimented with that um, for two periods, and then they went back to Appleton. But I really liked how Gagne looked. Um, yeah. Those are the things that stood out to me from that game specifically was obviously Kyle Connor, but Gagne on the top line it was a nice adjustment that I really liked actually. Yeah, as as you said, like seeing Connor wheel around there by the circle, mm-hmm. no word of a lie. I just I looked. I go, please, please do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what everyone was thinking. Like this has to be it. He's one on one with Montembeau, and he's just like. This is Kyle Connor. Like this is the goal that he scores. And he had a couple other chances in that game. Oh. I, like I I, ha- I made a tweet later. I think I said um, he had six shots on goal on goal in that game, and I vividly <laughs> remember him taking more than that that missed yeah. the net or got blocked. Like it seemed the, like every game he was attempting more and more. Like he knew he like obviously he knew he only had one goal, so he's like trying his hardest. He's just attempting so many shots. There was one chance late in the third where he's alone in the slot. And he shoots it, and it goes off a Canadian's player's stick and up into the netting. It's a sure goal if it doesn't hit the the guy's stick. With two two game, five minutes left in the third, I'm like, come on, like which this guy's so snake bit. Like like late in the year, if that happens, you go okay. Well, you've already got like 
25 or whatever like you're not really thinking yeah. about it right it's, it's just, just kind of like of it all. It, it's yeah. right now where you're like oh well if that goes in maybe he gets going right so mm-hmm. yeah you had mentioned it last week Connor where it's his next one which was his, his overtime winner against Montreal is the first goal he scored on an actual goalie this year yeah uh so yeah it's it's very relieving to see it. I hope he builds off of it. He didn't need to against Chicago. Right. Great game. Great game. Great game. So, yeah, it was a, a 4 nothing shutout there on Saturday. A little uh, afternoon affair. Um, matinee, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> see, for matinee, I think it's I think I think a matinee is closer to noon oh. for me. Oh, uh, sure. Remember the, 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 the moose <laughs> matinee games. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, no, but that uh, game against Chicago... Firstly, how about those jerseys? Oh, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful jerseys. I, As soon as they dropped, I was like, yep, I really wish I could buy one right now. Those look really nice. Well, they're $320 on truenorthshop.com. So. And they're not even available yet, so <laughs> pre-order and wait. But those jerseys, when they first came out, I really liked them. Everyone wants red in them, and I think we can all agree that it would it would look better with red. But... On the ice, like jerseys, like never really go down in value when you see a team play with it on. You don't think like, oh, that per- that model standing in it looks great, but then when they play in it, it looks worse. Like everyone's opinion really jumped up on the jerseys, but I think they're awesome. Uh, I will say, um, the opinion of jerseys look better when the on the uh, when they're on the ice kind of took a hit when Tampa mm. brought their. Those jerseys are like so bad; they're good. There's too they much are. going Somehow on. Somehow looked worse on <laughs> yeah. the ice, though. I didn't know how that could be possible. Yeah. I mean, I still think they're just like comically bad that they're good, but man, they're they're not they're not great. Uh, neither are the Sabers because they went mm, the white pants. That, that's the thing. <laughs> if it was blue pants, it'd be fine. Uh, I saw someone actually mention that the Jets, uh, you know, reverse retro could possibly look interesting if they had red pants mm. with it. I'm not sure. I'd have to see it mocked up. I think you'd have to add red to the jersey and the socks at that point if you go red pants. You can't just have, like, one splash of red with nothing else. Yeah, that was my thought, too. Um, the color swatch there is a little weird, then, mm-hmm. if you do that, because, like, the rest of the jersey is basically white and blue. Mm-hmm. If you add just red pants, it, yes, it pops, and it probably adds Throws it off an accent, bit, but, yeah, it'll throw it off some somewhat. You know, um, at, least, at least they're not the University of Wisconsin ripping off the... Toronto Raptors jerseys. (laughs) Oh, um, jerseys aside, the players in them did pretty well too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Specifically, uh, Connor Hellebuck. Oh yeah, another shutout. Second of the year, um, thirty save shutout. Uh, You know, but he was helped out by uh, three uh, power play goals, going three for four on the power play. The only one that they didn't convert on was a shortened one, where they only had one for about thirty seconds. Um, and a shorthanded goal by Adam Lowry. That's the way he does it. Is this shorthanded? <laughs> like that's the only way he scores. Um, I found out during the Blackhawks game that Morrissey's a point per game player and is leading the Jets in scoring. I did not know that. I don't know what I assumed. He is the leading scorer. He's got one goal, nine assists, and uh, ten points right now. Leading scorer on the team. I will and make then, it very clear. I was also unaware of that. Yeah. If the, the guys will tell you my face was quite <laughs> priceless there. <laughs> Mike McIntyre of the Free Press tweeted out Jets leading scorer Josh Morrissey. Uh, when he scored his goal, he said the leading scorer scores put the Jets up. And I was like, no way. I, I have to double check that. And yeah, 
I also found out in that search that Dubois has 10 points in 11 games. I didn't realize that he's almost at a point a game. Yeah. Like, so wrapped up in Kyle Connor only scoring one goal and Ehlers being hurt that and I Hellebuck. guess missed out. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, there's guys that are, they, are, they aren't getting the coverage. No. Yeah, we're, we're looking at a very interesting dynamic here where the players who are normally leading the scoring are still trying to find their way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to complain about having more production from the back end, especially a guy for, like Morrissey who hasn't been a notorious producer throughout the uh, you know his entire career, but I'll That's take it. Sure. He's rolling in That's what Bonus eight. said. He said he wants more goals from the defenseman, so that's oh, what we're getting. Yep. yep. You got one from uh from Nate Schmidt as well. Yeah. Uh, yep. on that on, during that game, Bombo another power play. Uh just roofed it past uh um I guess at that point was it Dylan Wells. Yeah, I was, believe so, yeah. Which uh great pass by Perfetti on that too. His yeah. passing I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say that it's the best on the team. His vision is just ridiculous. He's so patient too and he waits. Like you can see him waiting on the half wall for a seam to open up like on the Schmidt goal yeah he clearly like slows down as soon as he comes over the blue line and he can see that lane opening up and it's just a matter of time and then he snaps it over boom cool I think he gives me prime Blake Wheeler vibes I I, I think he's got better I think he has better vision than Wheeler but I think we're gonna see better similar if not better numbers if his passing like keeps developing i could definitely see that yeah for his age it's ridiculous he needs to have a shooter though like like an actual elite shooting talent he himself needs to shoot there's a couple times where he's in the slot and i get it he's such a great passer but passes just shoot the puck sometimes like i I look i look at that line and that line would be perfect if you take wheeler off the line and you put a shooter on that line Mm -hmm. you have a playmaker in perfetti you then have a in front net presence in dubois who will create and shoot every once in a while but he's more of a stand in front of the net bruiser and then if you put a shooter on that line like that would be probably the perfect second line there's also a way to put connor back with dubois which had success last year and then put perfetti with shifley on the top line or second line, however you want to look at it, but there's a way to get both Kyle Connor going and get Perfetti a shooter. It's it's difficult though to do so with how the team is currently constructed, um, because most of the offensive talent, if not all of it, is sitting on those top two lines. So if you shuffle them around and then someone gets hurt, you immediately have someone who's not necessarily a you know an offensive firepower. Um, but I mean. He looks good enough that I think he can find goals for guys who aren't typically their goal scorers. Like, I mean, Dubois thrives off of the, the up-close. Granted, he's, he's been firing him from yeah. circles. He looks good. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think Perfetti is, you know, destined to have a, you know, a massive, you know, assist number season. Like, it's just he's so smart with the puck. I wrote before the season that I had, like, a hot takes thing where I said – 40 assists 40 assists for Perfetti not out of the question yeah not at all yeah, like no which is ridiculous for his age that would be um that would be unbelievable so honestly why not that'd be a great rookie year um just to double back here a little bit onto the the forward depth um I'm having some problems with the fact that Appleton is becoming the default on that top line especially I thought as you said earlier Sam Gagne looked great on that top line he's 
he's one of those guys that he can kind of fit in wherever. He's not the fastest anymore, but he's he makes it up for it in his hockey IQ. He's a really good playmaker. Um, I just don't know if Appleton has that part of his game that can help to you know make that line work. It makes it puts a lot of pressure on Shifley and Connor, and therefore makes it easier for you know the other teams to just focus on them because Appleton doesn't have the finishing ability. His playmaking needs some work. Um, I mean, to be fair to him, it's not his game. No, he's a guy who thrives on you know the, the third line, third fourth line. He's uh, a guy who forechecks, you know, tries to you know drive the puck loose a little bit and penalty kill. But he's never really been that offensive guy in the NHL yet. I think his speed makes it like workable enough that that top line is still going to produce here and there but i i think gagne is a better fit um the main reason for me was sam gagne has the best goal song on the team and i just want to hear more of that uh <laughs> mr Brightside. i mean come on um I, that, I, that's my reasoning for him i mean i think line. we have to consider though that nate schmidt has mambo number five <sighs> we finally heard that for the first I time know. <laughs> love it <laughs> no i just think i don't know i'm i'm with both of you i'm kind of in the middle it's just like Appleton is like Brian said. He's a bottom six guy. He's not. He's not really anybody that I'm like. Oh wow, you know what? Like he adds. He he doesn't really add to that top line, but his speed kind of makes up for it. And then you kind of think, okay, I see what Rick's trying to do, and you know, he. I think what he's trying to add is a different element to the line. Where I think he's trying to get somebody like Shifley to actually start caring about forechecking and getting in deep and that sort of thing so i think that's what his thought process is or maybe adding some defense to to the line because connor shifley notoriously haven't been great defensively so yeah, yeah. and so you've got at least some it, it's like playing you play a you're playing basketball and you add like a defensive player to your lineup you've got like four offensive players and then that are notoriously like not good on defense and you throw a defensive center out there or a defensive wing and you go Oh, you know what? This lineup, like this lineup, actually doesn't look bad on defense because <laughs> Make it that, manageable defensively. Yeah, and so they he that person's kind of like the rock. So I think, I think that's what he's trying to do. But I just I don't know if it works in this situation. What I will say, um, and I don't know what you know the underlying numbers say. I haven't had a chance to look. This is strictly eye test. I have noticed. Shifley busting his ass a lot more to try and get back on plays. Uh, I've noticed him, you know, actually back checking a fair amount. Uh, still, there's still some defensive lapses that I've noticed, but it seems like there's more effort there, um, which is nice because you know, in the last few seasons, you just look at him and you're like, dude, just put the effort in, man. You do see it come back here and there. Like uh, I'll reference that Jack Eichel game winner in overtime that one time. And we can now switch our topics into our overtime discussion that we're going to have here. But there was that one goal where I posted a screenshot on Twitter, all three, Connor Shifley Morrissey, just staring at the puck as Eichel goes across the crease and beats Hellbuck on, like, the far side. You don't love to see that. That's last year. Like, that's... Like, I, I get it. They're all at the end of a shift, but you got to... Like, that's the thing. You, you're out there still. Left. There's eight seconds left. Throw yourself on the ice. Just try and prevent the goal. Get it to a shootout. Um, and then hope that your SEAL guys can win it for you because you know that Hellebuck was, you know, lights out in that Vegas game. Um, you know, he's going to give you a big enough chance to win there. But, no, they were just standing there. Let them just walk them entirely. So it's, it's, uh, 
it's a strategy that I think that they're still trying to get back into because they weren't, you know, reprimanded for it at all uh, in the last few years. Uh, so I think, I mean, there's certain strategies I'm still on the fence about with with uh, bonus. Um, but I think his heart's in the right place in terms of what he wants these guys to do. Uh, I just I need to I'm still seeing the results of that. Remember when Maurice would go three forwards? The good old days, right? (laughs) I'm Um, kidding. But, yeah. I don't think those are good days. But (laughs) Starting with Lowry and Appleton in overtime, I get it. You're trying, when the Avs put out McCarr, McKinnon, and Rantanen, you're trying to shut them down and then get your guys out there. But the biggest issue for me is the fact that in that Vegas game, Shifley played almost three minutes of overtime. Perfetti didn't see the ice. Um... Like at that point, you're basically just going Lowry Appleton and then Connor Shifley and then Lowry Appleton and just back and forth. And like, like, you're not getting anyone else. Wheeler and Dubois got a couple shifts, but Lowry and Appleton should not see the ice more than once in overtime because they do not produce. Right. That Their whole game is to prevent. That's the, the, literally Lowry, since he had, like, yes, he will occasionally score. He's been on the power play, but he's just the net front guy who buries the rebounds. He scores shorthanded goals. But. He's not a guy who you're putting out there to, you know, match up against the best offensive players. You know, you're looking at these lineups that they've played against. Uh, Montreal, obviously, is an exception because they're not as deep. But still, you want to play best versus best because you want to trust your best scorers to outscore your opponent. You have way more room. So uh, effectively, regardless of who you're, you're putting out there, defensive play is nearly out the window because you can just toss it back to your guy and you know keep possession you're not you know there's not five other guys out there you know that you have to worry about i can maybe understand as you said starting early even if you just start lowry to make sure you win the face off because he's among the better ones on the team because we've been struggling um and then send him off putting them out there for multiple shifts though i don't get i've i was having this conversation with someone on twitter i can't remember who um but the idea that just because something worked once doesn't mean you should keep trying it because eventually it's going to stop working and then you've kind of stuck to your guns too long and you've lost games because of it Mm -hmm. yeah i agree with starting with it um bonus had a quote too where he said it was mainly to win the face off and then people were questioning well then why is appleton out there like why not just go lowry and perfetti right take lowry off as soon as you win the face off or lose it whatever um and then you can Put Gagne out, there. Yeah. Gagne out there. Like, yeah, I know he's not as fast, but his passing would be able to open up lanes for guys like Perfetti and, you know, even toss out a guy like like Schmidt with them because he'll shoot. And if it's to win the faceoff, you, as you said, Larry and Appleton should never come back out because no. unless there's another faceoff. Like a big like, one. Yeah. They'll, they're changing on the fly. Yeah. Right? The flow of the game, especially in overtime, you really should only get, like, I don't know, four face-offs in that five minutes. Not I'm going to yeah, give four. Maybe. It may be even not that. But, I mean, you have to factor in if goalie's icing the puck, or, right? Like, But, you know, I, I, like you both said, I get it. I understand what he's trying to do. But I'll go back to what you said, Brian. You put best versus best, right? It should be either you're putting, let's say, you're, you have to play Colorado again in overtime or whatever. Down the line, you're going to play them again this year. Right, they put out McKinnon, McCarr, and whoever else, if it's Rantanen or whatever, then you should be putting out, I don't know, 
Shifley, Connor, and I don't really care Schmidt, I guess, on D. Like, you could put Morrissey, you could put, well, I'm not going to say Pionk, but. Leading scorer, Josh Morrissey. Yeah. Probably leading scorer, Put some scorer, respect Josh. on that name. <laughs> but you you guys get what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. You, you, it should be, be, like you said, Brian, it should be best versus best. I don't care really who it is, but yes, Perfetti needs a shift. He, like, I can't believe that you're not putting out in overtime a period of the game that's supposed to be about scoring someone who's going to create chances. Like, and we just talked about Mason Appleton not scoring, so I don't get it. Yeah, and Perfetti's one of those guys that his passing is going to open up opportunities for. He might not be the fastest, well, but you don't have to be. He's the only guy in the top six who doesn't see overtime minutes. Yeah, everyone else does. Yeah, which is unreal. I I, I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. All right, so um, we're gonna move on here, but first uh, we're gonna take you a quick message uh, to uh, our followers here, and for those who aren't following us, a little message about our social media links. Hey there, it's me, Brian. Yes, the same one you were just listening to. Anyway, I've got to talk to you all about something. If you're listening, chances are you found us through social media. However, if you found your way to us through the grapevine, by the water cooler, or through the magic of friendship alone, let me tell you how to connect with us even further. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now even TikTok. We're great at the whole brand identity thing, so we have all the same usernames on all platforms. Just search up Level Flight Podcast or the username Level Flight WPG. So, pause the episode, go follow us, then come back, okay? Great, you're back now? Perfect. Let's get on with the rest of the show. Thank you for that, Brian. Make sure you... (laughs) (laughs) No, we can laugh about that. (laughs) Thank you for that, Brian. Now we're going to move on to kind of a story around the organization, not necessarily Jets-related, but it is Jets-related. My good friend Jacob Stoller of the Hockey News broke a story earlier in the week about Ville Hainala, how he's reportedly growing frustrated in the AHL, not getting his chances in the NHL. Um, It was a great article. If you guys haven't read it, go give it a read. Um, The statement came from his agent saying that Ville is growing frustrated. He wants to play more. He should be given a longer look in the NHL. so what do you guys think? What do you guys think about it? How did we get to this point? What are the next steps? Is this a surprise at all, really? Like, Vili hasn't really been given a long look in the NHL, so it's not really surprising for him to be angry about it. I, I don't think it's that much of a surprise. Um, you know, he, he's a good player, right? And I really think that, and you guys can stop me if I'm wrong, I really think that if he was in almost any other organization in the league, that he would probably have gotten at least like a 10 to 15 solid game look at some point. Not this couple games here, send down, couple... Like, I, I think he really needs 10 to 15 in a row, play him, see how he adjusts, and see what happens. But if I'm any other organization in the league, I think I'm calling up the Jets and asking them like, hey, I really hear that one of your quote-unquote star prospect defensemen is upset... What's your asking price? Because he deserves to be on this team, especially with how bad the for what he brings to the team, for how bad the Jets have been for on the things that he is good at. Yeah. I I really think that 
they need to call him up and I think they need to do something about this before this turns into a situation where he's not signing a contract. He won't play if they call him up and then you have to trade him. Yeah, and I, at this point, I'm willing to concede that I am not sure his ceiling is even close to where it was when we first drafted him. Um, I was of the mindset that, especially because he looked really good in those first, you know, eight games that he played when he was first drafted Mm -hmm. and then was sent down. Um, I don't think he can reach that level uh, anymore. I'd I'd be very, very happy to see him, you know, get the chance. That's the thing. I'm not asking uh, because I've I've been in this little back and forth with several people where I'm not asking for him to get a guaranteed lineup spot. What I want is for him to get the same chance that guys like, uh, you know, Stanley... And even to an extent now, Samberg have got where they can have those stretches of games, as Elliot said. Um, there's pretty well documented evidence if you actually like if you go back and watch uh, game film from you know his points when he actually plays multiple games in a row, he improves every game that he plays. It's just getting into a rhythm with him. It's it might be different this year because he's actually like he's been playing the entire time. Um, to which I mean, he's he's looked pretty good with the moose. I think. A bit of his frustration is leaking into his game um, because he looks, one, a little impatient with his passes, and he's just getting mean in front of the net. Yeah. I have never seen, like, it's it's like Mark Stewart levels of cross-checking in front of the net. Um, it's But it's, I really, I really think that if you gave him, as Elliot said, even 10 to 15 games, he would show what he can bring to the team. We know that he's a little bit off defensively. That's, that's just something that we've known for a long time. But he makes up for it in his upside. His upside is something the Jets don't have anything, you know, like that on the on the blue line. Um, it's it's. I just want to see the shot, right? It's mm. You just want to see it in person in the NHL because I truly don't think he can develop anymore in the AHL from what we've seen from him. Yeah, I think Hanela had his best game uh, yesterday against Texas. Um, he had three or four great A opportunities. Hudoman made a save with the knob of his stick once off of Hanala in the slot. Like he, he had a really good game. He was jumping up into the rush. He got 12 games last year, and I thought if you divide those into three, four-game stretches, the last four-game stretch, he looked exactly how you wanted, like exactly how you would want him to look. Now, the biggest issue for me, Kyle Capobianco played against the Blackhawks and played on neither the power play or the penalty kill. Now, the biggest thing all of training camp that Rick Bonus said is, well, Stanley and Samberg kill penalties, right? You need guys that can kill penalties. Well, Kyle Capobianco came in and didn't kill penalties. So what? Like, why can he come in and not play any special teams, but Hainala can't? It's, I don't, I don't, it's not consistent. No. It's, uh, it's frustrating um, because... As I said, I just want to see him get a shot. Um, I just, I don't know. As as Elliot said, I, I honestly at this point wouldn't be shocked if he's now he's gone from prospect who can help the team to prospect who can help a trade. Um, because there's no indication. There was that article that came out. There was the thirty-two thoughts I think where Friedman mentioned that effectively Chevy is going to. Uh, sit on his hands until he finds the right deal which we've heard that almost every year mm-hmm. and then you know the right deal comes and goes and then we undersell on a guy um 
yeah, it it just feels like we're going to have the log jam for too long, ruin a few things. Like that's the thing. You could probably sell pretty high on both. Like you'd have to retain some, but pretty high on either Dylan or Schmidt because mm. teams just need defensive help. Um, and then you open up spots. It's it's really it, it, I think overall like yes they're they're not doing all that bad this year, but I think you have to think for the future of the franchise as well. Having all of these guys getting blocked by you know players who are only getting older, you gotta you gotta consider what the consequences of that are. Yeah, and I've been a big advocate for trading one of Dylan or Schmidt for middle six help because the middle six is not. Like, now with Barron out another five weeks and Ehlers is still out, like, the middle six is really thin. I – Dylan and Schmidt have been good this year. That's the issue. They, they're they on the same pairing, and that them together, they're doing good. So it would be hard to trade them right now. And I've kind of come around on the whole shovel day off, waiting one more year maybe because if he, if he really thought it was coaching, wait another year. But if they wait out their contracts, Vili's not getting a chance until he's, what, 23, 24? Yeah. And by that point, he's been in the HL for four straight years. He's not going to improve. Yeah. So it's either – we've reached the point where either he requests a trade and you trade him or you trade someone else and put him in the lineup or you just put him in the lineup because Cavrianco got in and didn't kill penalties. Well, so let's I don't be see real. the issue. He's not going to get claimed on waivers either if you send him down. No. If, if he is, it honestly it probably helps the franchise out because it opens up some spots. That's the thing. I think we legitimately need to talk about, I mean, obviously there's Hainala. I think we need to talk about Declan Chisholm getting a chance finally because he is really, really good this year. Up until yesterday's game, he was better than Villy yeah. throughout the year. I think I think overall he's been better than Villy mm-hmm. in the, uh, in, during the season. It was just as per a you know, game basis, Villy definitely had a better game yesterday. Um, before we move on, um, I think at some point or another, we're going to have to have a, a bit of a trade introspective here to figure out what happens next because yeah. there's too much stuff that needs to be figured out. Regardless, great stuff from Jacob. Um, one of the first guys I met in the in the Moose Press Box. Super nice guy. Um, great scoop on the Hainala, Hainala stuff. Big shout out to him. Yeah, so um, yeah, if you want to read his stuff, uh, you can just follow him on Twitter at JLStoller, uh, S-T-O-L-L-E-R. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, got some great stuff, some great AHL coverage. Uh, so, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, uh give his page a checkout. Um, continuing on the moose thread, we're going to do a quick touch on the, uh, the two game set against the Texas stars. Um, dropped the first one, unfortunately, uh, a very rough game for, uh, Arvid Holm. Um, a lot of rebound control issues, kind of a common thread, um, it's unfortunate because like he has these bright spots. He moves really well, but he moves too much. <laughs> I think that's his issue. I think he overcommits. Um, He's a Freddie Anderson. Slides too much in the crease. Marc Andre Fleury type. Yeah, it, Jonathan Fleury's quick. a little bit more controlled though. That's Fleury, I, yeah. I I go to Freddie Anderson just because he was so notorious from trying to go post to post. And he's like in the corner mm. by the time he goes, if he has to go back to the other post. I mentioned Jonathan Quick though, because there's so many highlights of these incredible glove saves of his. So that's just because he's out of position and he has to send himself flying across the crease. Mm-hmm. Um, on the top of goaltending, however, we have noted a scary Salmonid fan, Brian. Listen, I <laughs> first day of training the camp. The fan account's gonna be created soon. <laughs> yeah, first day of training camp. Um, 
almost half jokingly, I said this guy could be something because I looked at his stats. He had nine shutouts in his you know age twenty two season in Finland. Obviously, it's a different league, different level. But I was you know looking forward to seeing what he can do. Um, he's been lights out this year. Mm-hmm. Like I think I saw a thing where he made, uh, uh, like I think like sixty of sixty five saves or something over the two game set. Because he he only came in in the second period in the first game against Texas, which they lost uh, four to one, and then he started the um, the overtime win against them uh, on uh, on Sunday, and he honestly some of the best overall goaltending performances I've seen in the AHL in a while. He stole that game for them. Yeah, straight up. Like there he... were, there were certain the pucks should have been in the net, and he was just there was a two on zero in overtime that he kind of played to perfection and saved and meantime two on oh the rebound went out of play yeah like he <laughs> like i know he probably didn't mean to control that rebound to the point where it goes into the netting but i mean talk about controlling a rebound that's just elite stuff uh he's four and one with a nine two eight save percentage and a 1.93 goals against average he is he's the starter for sure um I, I asked think some of the question. guys. I, yeah, I asked some of the guys after the game. Alex Limoge said, "Thank God he's on our team." Um, Nolan Bumgarner noted how hard it is for a goalie to come in, even even though uh, that's the backup's job, but to come in in the second period and dominate the way he did in that first game, and then carry it into two days later. Um, he thought he was fantastic. Just like praises all around for Oscar from from the team, and rightfully so because. The Moose haven't seen goaltending this good in, like, Mikel Burton was never this good either. No, I mean, I honestly, I'd say the last really good goaltending was Hellebuck. <laughs> but even then, like, he had moments where he struggled a little bit. Yeah. I'd say the best overall goaltending performance that the Moose have seen since they came back in their second rendition was Michael Hutchinson in St. John's. Yep. Uh, with the ice So we didn't there. even really get to see that. No. like it was in Manitoba. Exactly, yeah. So, um you're looking at a guy who is thrusting himself into the conversation as to the next man up, which it felt for a while there, even if he was struggling, that Arvid Holm was the default guy just because of organizational familiarity. Um, I don't think you can do that now. No. I, I truly I truly don't. He's definitely the guy for the moose, and he's making, making sound waves for sure. Um, but, yeah, great uh, overall uh, weekend, just adding to just another really good, you know, good stretch here to start the season. Um, gonna have a bit of a shout out here to Mikey Asimont. Um, hell of an effort in overtime to get that puck to Alex Lamoche for the overtime winner. Um, you really you saw some incredible forechecking there, um, and it's just you'll you'll love to see it, especially from a guy like that. I mentioned it in the the preseason. He's just one of those guys. He's where you need him to be. Mm. They're they're gonna be one of the best teams in the AHL, especially if their goaltending remains this way. Um, Brad Lambert didn't play either game; he was he was sick and still returning. But they're gonna be unbelievable. Their forward depth is amazing. Consistency might be an issue for them. They've had two or three games where they just kind of come out flat and never recover. But in the games they've won, man, they look good. Yeah, well, they're six two and one to start the uh, the season. Um, you know, just behind the uh, Milwaukee Admirals, the lead to the, the Central Division there. So they're they're going to be competitive all the way through. I think. Uh, I think there's they have a real shot to make some noise in the playoffs, especially if they get you know the goaltending that they've been getting. Um, but yeah, they're uh, they're a fun team to watch. So if you get a chance, definitely go out and uh, you know catch a game. 
you know, check it out on uh, AHL TV because um, they're, they're a fun team to watch, and, you know, it's nice to keep up with them. People are definitely catching on because the attendance numbers I'm checking keep going up. Um, I think it reached 4,300 on Sunday, which would have been one of the best of the season outside of opening day. So more people are coming out, um, and that was without Brad Lambert, so that's, like, the number one ticket sales guy for the Moose. So um, definitely come out and see the Moose there. They are fun to watch, like Brian said. Um, yeah, so check out the Moose. And moving back to the NHL now, very quickly, let's just wrap up with some quick news hits. Uh, Elliot, um, the Leafs goaltending, huh? <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> so I was, funny enough, we were chatting with the topics, and when as soon as the guys mentioned that I was doing Leafs goaltending, I'm scrolling on Instagram, and I see that a Keith Petruzzelli uh, clip from TSN uh, pops up on my feed, and it's him getting a entry two-year entry-level deal with the Leafs. And I went to the Leafs' uh, cap-friendly page just to see where they have guys placed in injured reserve and LTIR and that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm like, okay, maybe they're just giving him a contract to be a third goalie, or he's deserved it. Because, and yes, uh, I will quickly talk about that. He has actually played quite well in the AHL. But then I went to cap-friendly and went, oh, so they need a goalie. This isn't just a rewarding contract. Ilya Samsonov is on injured reserve. Um, I believe he's bo- he's probably week to week, so he may come back, which means that either him or Eric Schalgren will get sent down, but we'll talk about that in a minute. And Matt Murray is on LTIR, might be coming back. Maybe we'll see. It's Matt Murray. I don't really know if you want him coming back anyways. Um, he's better than Schalgren. <laughs> but is he f- f- almost $5 million? That's a whole other question. Yeah, that's a completely different thing we will get to. Um, Shawgren has played five games this year, uh, 904 uh, save percentage, goals against of 2.76. So he's looked okay. Um, and then Petruzzelli has a combined over the last two seasons, 11 AHL games. Yes, this year he's got a 2.31 goals against and a 922 save percentage. Great, but he has no NHL experience whatsoever. I think as much as the Leafs are trending upwards currently i think once again goaltending will be an issue and will probably hurt them really bad here again and that's why you pay freddie anderson and you don't let him walk yeah um it's a mess right now in toronto um they should sell the team swinging it out west to the uh (laughs) um swinging out west here to uh san jose um just quickly uh, I'm here to officially say that Eric, Eric Carlson is back. Um, so back. He uh, currently has 19 points in 14 games, uh, which you know sits tied right now for fourth in the league, um, tied with players such as Nathan McKinnon and David Pasternak, which I didn't think I'd be saying again. You know, being an Ottawa fan, seeing him for so long, uh, just being so dominant, it's. Uh, you know, almost a tear to my eye seeing how good he's been. So it's so nice to see. Um, but he's just—I mean, he also has uh, just an absurd amount of, you know, just like the way he's skating looks like old Carlson. So, um, you know, good for him. I'm gonna keep watching that throughout the year because I'd love to see him, uh, you know, challenge for another Norris because just I just love Eric Carlson. Um, all right, Connor, uh, take us home with your uh, your news. Yeah, we had a few suspensions in the NHL uh, over the last couple of days. No, no surprises. Uh, Matthew Kachuk got suspended. I mean, it's Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> um, he, for those that didn't see it, he was the the whistle had blown. Quick, uh, Jonathan Quick froze the puck, and he kind of turned his stick and jammed it in the eye socket of of his mask. 
kind of catching him in the eye with a with a high stick. He got suspended two games for that, which um, I think is fair. I mean, it was clearly intentional. And it wasn't, like, quick is fine. It wasn't damaging. But you can't do stuff like that. It's just unnecessary and reckless. So two game scenes, fine. Uh, he's been suspended three times before. Once uh, once was a two-game suspension. The other two times were just one-game suspensions. Uh, Josh Anderson of the Canadians got suspended for two games. He hit Alex Petrangelo pretty hard from behind in the <laughs> danger zone. Um, and so he got two, ga- two games for boarding. Uh, the... The major argument for stuff like this is always, well, he turned. Like, you hear people say that, Petrangelo turned, right? And how is Anderson supposed to know that he's going to turn and whatever? If you watch the clip, Petrangelo is kind of skating lateral to the boards with his numbers to the boards for a good two, three seconds. That's not even in slow-mo. And then Anderson comes at full speed and hits him face first into the dasher. I, I think it could have been three or four games like maybe even more than two i don't know i just hits like that where there are there are instances where they turn and it's like well you can't really do much about that give him a five don't suspend him at all that's fine but this one petrangelo is clearly turning he's clearly skating lateral to the boards with his back to it kind of two feet away from the boards it was nasty i think i personally i would have given him three or four games but i don't mind the two game suspension yeah all right well we are uh, out of time here today. Um, you know, the the Jets are back in action tomorrow night against the uh, Dallas Stars. Huge game. Uh, well, I guess by the time this is out, it'll be tonight. Yes. Um, yeah, we're recording this on Monday, so. Um, no, it'll be uh, tonight against the Stars. Uh, Rick Bonus's first game against his former team. Um, he was still uh, out of action when we played them down in Dallas. Uh, but yeah, top two teams in the Central Division. Um, that'll be on tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Uh, you can find it on uh, TSN3, um, CGOB 680 uh, on the radio, same with Power 97, um, or uh, NHL Live through your Sportsnet app. And follow our uh, social media, Level Fight, Level Flight WPG. Uh, we'll have all the updates. We'll have all the highlights. We'll have everything that you need to know about the game. Yeah, so uh, keep tabs on us. Uh, so from myself, uh, on behalf of Connor and Elliot, um, I uh, you know, hope you have a great week, and go Jets. Go Jets. Go Jets. You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast.